0: Welcome back, everybody. This is episode four of the Unexplained Experience podcast. This is Carmen Castillo and
1: Gonzalo Garcia Castro.
0: Welcome back, Parajunkies. We are so glad to have you back. Today's episode is actually a very interesting one because our guest is actually not in the recording studio with us. So we would be having a phone call to contact her. If you follow our Instagram, you will know that her name is Amanda Lynn. And she is actually an intuitive healer, and also she reads the tarot, and as well as medium. So we're going to give her a call real quick, and she has an actual amazing story. We were very shocked by some of the things that she said, so it's going to be a very interesting conversation. We hope that you like it. She also wrote a book, which
1: is called Love of My Lifetimes. An autobiography on past lives and Twin Flames.
0: Which you can find the link on the post that we have on our Instagram.
1: And Twitter. So follow us on Instagram at Unexplained Experience Podcast. And also follow us on Twitter at the UE underscore podcast. Let's begin our call then.
0: Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. How are you
2: doing?
0: Good, good. Welcome to our podcast.
1: Welcome.
2: Happy to be
0: here. We are so excited to have you here because you have so many interesting stories that I have a lot of questions. So I hope I don't overwhelm you with them. Sounds (laughs) good. I hope that I don't top your ear off completely. Sounds good. So why don't we start with. Your name so that our actual listeners can get more of an idea of who you are. You can introduce yourself so that we sure. get to know you.
2: Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Samantha Lynn. I'm singer, songwriter, actor, musical theater trained, psychic medium, tarot card reader. <laughs>
1: Wow, wow. <laughs> the, the Trinity,
2: right? Trinity. She has a whole <laughs> list of skills. So many, so many things that don't go together.
0: I'm surprised you didn't say Elvis Lover because, like, that's what I remember you like the most
2: from. <laughs> well, that too. That is always a part of me as well. Of course,
0: I know that you do work in Casadega, right? Yes,
2: like, I work at. I work at the Hotel Casadega, which is slightly different from the spiritualist camp that the hotel is situated in. So I just like to be clear about that. Yeah, I work at the hotel. So it's in the hotel. Okay.
0: And that hotel, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's known for renting the rooms because I think it offers the people that stay there the opportunity to experience anything paranormal, right? They, apparently it's haunted or something
2: like that. Yeah, they do say that the hotel is haunted. I kind of look at it more as just that it has a lot of spirit activity Mm because to me, haunted kind of implies that, you know, I don't know, there's like a negative connotation to haunting, I think. And most of the spirits at the hotel, from what I've heard, are very playful. They're Mm -hmm. not really super negative in in the things that they do. So, yeah.
1: Have you experienced something there?
2: Me, personally, I I had one time in my office where, because each of the readers has their own office, I had one time where I felt like there was somebody standing in the corner watching me. Mm. And it, it, felt like, it felt like a man, like an older man. But, I mean, spirits don't tend to mess with me very much, which we'll probably get into when I tell my stories later, but right my, my own spirit team, the the dudes that hang around me are civil war soldiers, so they kind of keep out anything that like that's with me that doesn't belong.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. Can you yeah. kind of describe how you're able to tell when when you're sensing a spirit that is near you, you know how you're able to tell like, oh, it feels like an older man because like I've had those moments as well. But yeah. I don't know I haven't been able to, like, properly explain it because it's kind of like, it's just a feeling, right?
2: Yeah. Um, in the psychic community, we would call that, or the intuitive community, because people hear psychic and they think it means something that, for me, it doesn't. They, you probably heard of the, the four clairs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually six of them. Clairvoyance, audience, clairaudience, extension. Claire aliens, clear gustin, And basically all of those words are just different ways of tapping into your extra sensory abilities. Mm-hmm. So what I would call that, what we're talking about is clear cognizance. It's you just know it and you're not really sure how or why. That's probably the most subtle of the Claire's no, as it were, because Yeah, you can't explain why you know it, you just do. And people who are kind of, people who kind of work with their intuition a lot tend to have those moments more often. For example, the other Claire is like, I'm very Claire sentient, for example, like I'll get sensations in my body. Mm -hmm. I'll know that somebody I love is sick or uh, is having a particular physical ailment, even if I'm not anywhere close to them. It's a clear feeling. You feel it in your body, whereas like clairvoyance is having visions or seeing spirit. Some people can actually physically see a spirit in the room with them. I haven't had that before. Sometimes I see light, like orbs of light, Mm -hmm. sparkles of light. But yeah, uh, clairaudience is when you can hear the voice or you can hear a sound that is not of this world. And then the other two are clear gustants, which is tasting something, and clear aliens, which is smelling, having a smell that's not there.
0: Wow. That's cool.
3: Is it true that
0: everybody has some sort of psychic ability or kind of like that intuition? It's just that we're not really tuned into them?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when, I guess I should start by saying I, I wasn't raised in a tradition of any type of spirituality that included, you know, being psychic. So this isn't my background at all. It was something that just sort of happened to me. And I realized later that I had these intuitive abilities all along. I just, nobody knew to call it that. So an example for me, something that most people can relate to is, you know, have you ever had those moments where you walk in a room and, Nobody's said anything, but you feel like an argument just happened. Yeah. Or you walk in a room and you know that your friend is sad, even though it's been five seconds and nobody's even, they haven't told you anything. It's that to me, is like feeling the energy of a room. That's an intuitive skill, but we don't really call it that. We don't really register it as being that because it's so normal. Same thing with, like, if you've ever had where you're thinking about a friend of yours and they call you on the phone. That's having a psychic connection with another person.
1: Yeah, I've had that. Okay. Definitely had that before.
2: Yeah, like, there's things like that that's very, it's very normal. It's very everyday. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we just chalk it up to coincidence or we don't even think about it at all.
1: Yeah. Um, Like, like sometimes you call a friend and they're like, "I, I was just thinking about calling you. Right. Or I was right, right about to call you. Yeah. Mm. It, it happens a lot between Carmen and I. Like, yeah, I called her and she was like, <laughs> right about to call me.
2: Yeah. It tends to happen even most often between people that you're closer to energetically, um, people you have a strong connection to or are intimate with. So that makes a lot of sense. Like, you'll find the more that you are, the deeper friends you are with somebody or the closer you are.
0: Uh, that sort of thing will happen more often. Mm, That's cool. That's very cool because I actually didn't know about all of that because I would hear about it. And, for example, like, that that thing you said about um, reading a room, like, after something happened, I'm good with that. I've been – I mean, I've always been, like, a sensitive child, so, like, I would kind of, like, feel everything. But, you know, like, it's never been, like – like, I'm scared – I'm personally scared of, like – Ghosts and stuff like I don't like being
2: Oh, I was my entire life. Like if you told me a few years ago that this is what I'd be doing for a living, I would have laughed in your face. I would have said there's no way. (laughs) I mean I I had night terrors as a kid. Like I didn't watch horror movies. My sister was all into that stuff. I couldn't stand any of it. So it is funny. My first-hand experiences, I think, have made me, I I actually, in a lot of ways, the spirit realm has to adhere to certain rules that, I guess here's how I would explain it. I'm not as scared of the spirit world as, like, even as people in the physical in general, just because uh, spirits have to adhere to the law of free will, Mm -hmm. so you can command things away from you. You can put up protections that think that are not, you know not incarnated on the physical plane. They can't touch you really unless you're giving them permission on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I describe it kind of like a vampire. like they can only come into your energy field if you either don't know to protect yourself or you're inviting it in some way.
1: So um, it, it's kind of like that the, the TV show about the vampires that they have to be allowed to go into the house?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's mm, like, okay. And at any point with spirit, you can disinvite. You can stop giving them permission. Whereas like a person who's in the physical, you might say, don't touch me, and they could still bulldoze over your boundary. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In general, spirit, I mean, it, it takes a pretty extreme I mean, I'm not going to say they can never bulldoze over your boundary, but pretty much no, they can.
0: Interesting. Oh. Um, interesting.
2: So that's where um, when people get worried about entities and things like that, you know, it's, it's actually pretty easy to protect yourself against something negative that's trying to harm you. You just have to know that you, you can.
0: That's very interesting. Yeah,
1: I didn't know Thank that. Thank you. I didn't know that either. Um, so what has been the biggest eye-opener in your life since embracing on this journey?
2: Oh, my God. Um, we'll probably get into my own story, but um, the biggest eye-opener, I mean, you, I, my story is very heavily related to past lives and vivid, vivid memories that I've had from mm-hmm. other lifetimes. So I think the biggest eye opener for me has been realizing firsthand that I, at one point was somebody else.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And I think the thing that is eye opening about that is you realize it's humbling in a way to realize that it makes you look at people differently. Like I could be you in another time, in another circumstance, like, it's harder to see yourself as separate from everything else going on around you because you realize the interconnectedness of all of it. You know, like having firsthand experience in somebody else's lived experience makes you realize wow, like we're all basically going for the same things. We're all, we all have hopes and dreams and beating hearts and, mm-hmm. um, and we're all doing the best in the circumstance that we've been given yeah i guess that's what i would say has been the most eye-opening is you think of yourself very differently when you've experienced that
0: right that makes sense so now going into your story what has been your experience with the past life because it's been it's been a roller coaster for you i'm (laughs) sure (laughs)
2: One that I'm still on in many respects—the
0: um, <laughs> roller coaster yeah. that never stops, basically.
2: Yeah. Um, I I guess the I'll try to do this as concisely as I can because there's a lot of detail. Long story short, back in 2015, I was at a museum with my aunt, mm-hmm. and I looked at this wall that had a bunch of plaques with the faces of Civil War soldiers on it. And I walked up to the wall and I took a look at this one photograph. And as soon as I looked at the boy's face, I immediately had this visceral feeling. And I thought in my mind, I know him.
1: How can you describe like, that feeling? Like, like what happened? Ooh,
2: like, it's almost... I mean, I've never had amnesia, but... A lot of times I feel like it must be what somebody feels like when they've forgotten their life and then suddenly something reminds them. Um, Something like that. Like there's some kind of memory or some recognition that's very, very far down in your psyche Mm -hmm. and something triggers that memory and it is like you almost gasp out loud Mm -hmm. because... You're just really sure of it in that moment. And then a few seconds later, your brain starts to try to justify why you recognize that face. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what happened was I was then like looking at this picture closer, like, does he look like someone I know? Have I heard this name before? And I had never seen his face before. I didn't know his name before but I just saw his face and like immediately like a light bulb went off. Like, you know, this person.
0: Was it like a, like a physical and emotional reaction?
2: I mean, at the time I really wasn't spiritually aware. Mm -hmm. And so, and at the time, like I said, I was scared of ghosts Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I, I kind of had that moment and didn't tell anybody about it. Right. And I didn't really react hugely outwardly because i didn't really understand what was happening mm-hmm. i mean i understand now what was going on but uh at that time i i mean i didn't talk about it or revisit it for like three years after that but the long story short is eventually in the course of my life i and my whole story is very much based on the understanding of Soul, what I call soul connection
3: mm-hmm.
2: so and I think you talked about this a bit in your episode Carmen like people who you've incarnated with before
0: yeah
2: or people who have specific missions it's almost like your soul's agreed before you came back in bodies that you're gonna meet or you you have a particular thing to do together mm-hmm. so I met somebody and i that was what activated my whole spiritual awakening Mm -hmm. we started having like we had deja vu of the same moment within a few seconds of each other i that was when i started to open up to my clear sentience so Mm -hmm. i could feel him having a panic attack when we weren't in the same room lots of weird stuff happened between me and this one particular person, Mm -hmm. which is what led me to kind of dive into the spiritual world and try to figure out what was going on because there was no logical explanation. Right. And that was when I got my first ever tarot reading. And in the course of all that, I thought that maybe this guy I had met was, the Civil War soldier that I recognized from before. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Civil War soldier's name is John Pelham, by the way. He is somewhat well-known Confederate artillery officer. And so I bought a book about John, thinking maybe it would help me understand what was going on with this other guy. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading, I started to feel like I could picture certain scenes from the vantage point of John's sweetheart, Sally Dandridge.
0: Sally, right?
2: Um, Sally, yeah. Sally. And I had something weird happen where I had a very clear vision in my mind of what John looked like at his funeral. And I could remember this like glass casing over his face, but you couldn't see the rest of his body in his casket. Mm-hmm. And I had that clear image in my mind. And as I was reading this book, I learned that they actually had a special glass casing made so that when his body traveled back down to Alabama after his funeral, people could view his face. Oh, wow. So before so, you actually
0: read it on the book, you would see it. Yes. Wow. Wow.
2: So and at the time, I was very skeptical of all of this. And mm-hmm. honestly, I still am. Like I always joke that I'm like Nancy Drew with this shit. I'm like, I'm like, I don't believe it until I've fully investigated and tried to prove myself wrong.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but in the course of trying to prove myself wrong, I kept proving myself right, um, <laughs> which I'm not sure if it's better or worse, to be honest. But I after. I read that book about John, I ended up having a past life regression done. And it basically just confirmed what I already knew, which was that I was Sally mm. Um, and Sally and John were engaged during the war, but he died five months later in a cavalry charge. One of the things I remembered was going to his funeral um, and I remember, like, being out of breath because I was in a, co- a really tight corset in this huge black morning dress mm-hmm. running up the stairs of the Virginia Capitol building. And I remembered going into his funeral and, like, what the room looked like and everything. Mm-hmm. All that came up in the regression. And then after I had that regression done, I then took several trips to different places from Sally and John's life.
3: Hmm.
2: And I visited the Richmond Capitol building, which was where his funeral was held. And this was, this was the point at which I believed what was happening. Cause up until then I was just like, maybe I just have a really good imagination and I really want this story to be true. (laughs) Cause John's cute. Let me tell you, like that is a good looking man.
0: (laughs) So still after all these lifetimes, you still find him cute.
2: Oh, I love him. I mean, he's kind of like one of my spirit guides now. So we just have a totally different relationship now. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, he he had a baby face. He was, <laughs> he was a cute little, like, it's actually kind of heartbreaking to look at his picture because he died when he was 24. Wow. So. so young. So like this yeah mm. um let me but, ask you a
0: question what exactly is a spirit
2: guide sure by my definition a spirit guide can be it can be somebody that it can be a deceased family member it can be somebody that you have known before that used to be a human they can also show up in the form of animals or um Aliens, entities, like, for me, your spirit team is hand-selected for you, for your mission, your soul's mission in this life. So mm-hmm. it'll look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but a spirit that is basically just a positive force that is trying to help you achieve what your soul is meant to do in this lifetime. So they're kind of nudging you along. They'll give you they'll give you signs or they'll give you encouragement or they'll put the right people in your path to help you do things you need to do i have a very personal relationship with john like i have i can actually sometimes hear his voice speak to me and i mean he i've seen unmistakably the form of angels in the clouds three times now I get thrown signs all the time, but I also ask for it because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going crazy and I need help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do these angels look like?
2: Like angels. Like...
1: Like, describe them.
2: It literally looks like a cloud. That uh, The first one I ever saw looks like the figure of a person with wings kneeling down. I'm looking to see if I can find it so I can send it to you. But yeah, it's John's kind of like, he's special in that I know what our connection was before and we've kind of now spent the last few years establishing our connection and how we communicate. But yeah, like I'll see names and license plates and things Mm -hmm. like that. It's, it's pretty wild yeah for me a spirit guide is just a force that is not incarnated in a human form somebody who's kind of on the on the other side in some capacity who is assisting you
1: so do you think everyone has a spirit guide
2: i think everybody has a spirit team or a spirit army Mm, i think we're just not necessarily aware interesting
1: yeah it makes sense
2: like i think I think we, and this is you know just what I think, but I think that our spiritual experience when we're here in human form is completely tailored to us, our individual soul. So I think everybody has some group, some force for good that is watching over them and assisting them but I think that everybody resonates with something different because it is a, comp- it is an individual journey in that sense.
3: Right. Right. So
2: for first one person, it might be that they feel very connected to trees mm-hmm. and they feel that like nature and animals are something that speaks to them. For another person, it might be the Hindu tradition of all different types of gods and goddesses. Like, for some people it's the christian story and jesus is what they resonate with like that's my take on it Mm -hmm. not to get too in the realm of like religious belief but Mm
1: -hmm. okay
0: but that's very interesting because i would always hear about spirit guides but i i was never like certain as to what it meant because you would hear either spirit guides as being people in your life but also animals so i wasn't sure like
2: yeah, Which like your, somebody's grandmother who has passed could be their spirit guide. It can show up in all different ways. But I guess to kind of circle back to the story that I was telling. Um, yes. Sorry. When I, oh, you're <laughs> so good. So many you're questions. Good. No, you're good. I understand why there are so many questions. Um, I had a lot of questions too. I still do. Um, uh, when I went to that richmond capitol building the historic part of the building is still like it was back in the 1860s and i asked the tour guide what room they would have had john's funeral in and when she told me i i almost gasped out loud because the tile floor looked exactly the same from what i remembered wow it was this black and white tiled floor, and I remembered it from what I saw in mm-hmm. the regression that I had. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been to that building before. So this was right, when was I started time. to be like, okay, I'm, I am I have a pretty active imagination. Like, there's a lot of things that I could have made up, but that I could not have. Right. Because of the accuracy. Yeah, something that
1: accurate.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. When yeah. you did your regression, and,
0: was it also through hypnosis?
2: Yeah, I did it with a woman named Vanessa Cadornu, mm-hmm. and she did. We did it actually over Zoom. Oh.
3: Um,
2: but yeah, she did the. She put me into hypnosis, and then we kind of explored the memories from there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's been pretty wild, and it just got crazier and crazier. Kind of the further into it I went, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up, I visited my own grave at one Mm -hmm. point. I visited the house where Sally grew up. Wow. And it's still owned by the same family. So Mm -hmm. I went and talked to the woman who owns this home and (laughs) I was like, Hey, um, I'm your great, great, great aunt from, a past life yeah, in a 20-something-year-old form. And she I told her the whole story. I told her why I was there.
0: How did she react?
2: Um, her, the first thing she said was, that's actually not the weirdest thing somebody has come to this house and said to me.
1: Oh, wow. I wonder <laughs> what the weirdest thing is.
2: <laughs> she, she said she had somebody come. Because this house, too, people know it from stories from mm-hmm. the Civil War, like, it's kind of a deep cut, but if you're a, if you're a civil War General Stewart horse artillery uh, nerd, you know about the bower. you know about this house. Um, oh. So basically general Stewart's uh, his cavalry and his horse artillery camped at Sally's father's home for about a month in 1862 mm-hmm. So people know that there were, like, parties that were thrown at this house, and it was kind of a big deal. So, so she gets people come all the time that kind of trespass on her property. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, I actually really appreciated that you wrote me and asked for permission to come visit. That's why I said yes. Um, <laughs> but she said that she's had people tell her, like, ghosts of soldiers are coming up the hill and all kinds of stuff like that and, um, oh. it was a cool conversation though I'm really glad I got to meet her I'm glad that yeah, she was she, very
0: open about it too
2: yeah I had no idea how she would respond right. I kind of thought she would think I was crazy <laughs> but I knew things about her family that she didn't that know she didn't know because I had gone through digging through archives and what i actually found when i started looking into sally's story is that every single history book that's ever written about her has published incorrect information the the word of mouth was that sally died in childbirth Mm -hmm. and she actually had two daughters oh but both of her daughters died in infancy oh Mm. wow I mean, they're in the historical record. It's just that nobody looked. Yeah. Um, and especially her husband, Blackburn, which... So 10 years after John died, mm-hmm. Sally did marry a man named Blackburn Hughes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's who she had two daughters with. Um, and I ended up getting a second regression done mm. when I started to remember things about Blackburn because it at the time, so all this is unfolding. I'm like figuring out that I'm Sally Dandridge and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. In the midst of all that, I met somebody and fell in love with him. And I found out through some memories that were coming up that he was actually Blackburn Hughes. He was my husband back then. Which is like a really hard thing to tell somebody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, do I tell you? Do I not? (laughs) What is happening right now? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I, like the memory that came up was my death. And Sally had, she had a heart, uh, congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. And she died in Blackburn's arms. Um, and I had this vision, I had this memory of going and sitting down at a picture window in the middle of the night, standing up, feeling a pain in my chest mm-hmm. collapsing and my husband coming running to catch me. And so, that was when I realized, oh my God, like this is it, this is the person I'm in love with. Yeah. and And I would describe it as, it's like when you have a dream and somebody doesn't look like themselves, but you know it's them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: And that was it when he came running. I was like, Oh my God, I know who that is. Yeah. And I had this memory of him just holding me while
0: I died. Did you actually have the physical pain as you were dying? Did you feel? Yes. You felt it. Okay.
2: And this was I was meditating when I had this vision and I was not intending to regress this Mm -hmm. just started to come out
1: when you had when you had the vision did you see it in in first person or third person
2: I saw it in first person but Mm -hmm. then what happened was it was crazy so I felt that pain in my chest and I collapsed he came to catch me Mm -hmm. I was convulsing in his arms wow because Yeah, like when your heart is shutting down, like your body kind of violently reacts to that. And as soon as his arms got around me, I felt no more pain. Mm. And I actually saw the point at which my soul left my body. So I actually detached them from my body and was watching the scene happen
0: Gotcha. Oh. So that's when you would see it in third person.
2: Yeah. Because it so was your soul. I was leaving in the body. the body and then I came out of the body.
0: Wow. Um, that must have felt very out of body. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my first thought was basically that I wanted to tell him that I wasn't in any pain mm-hmm. because he the worst thing was watching him be in complete agony.
0: Right.
1: And there's nothing you can do.
0: Right, because she's yeah. out of her body already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that must have been heartbreaking to see somebody that you love in, in so much pain when you don't have any more pain anymore.
2: Yeah, and I mean, at at that point, I had relived losing John.
0: Right.
2: So I knew what it was like to feel that kind of pain over somebody that you love and care about.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it never occurred to me that I could have been the major loss in another person's life. You know, we don't think about right. it that way. Yeah, we, we never imagine mattering so much to somebody that they'd be devastated for us to be gone. So it was kind of weird to witness that. And what was crazy is I later found a newspaper article that was written about Sally's death. Mm -hmm. And it mentions the picture window that I remembered. Oh, wow. Like, it mentions her standing up from the picture window and collapsing. So there's just enough stuff like that that I just can't...
0: Yeah, another confirmation of what you already knew.
2: Yeah, and... What's even crazier, as all that was happening, as I was remembering Blackburn, then I started to also have memories of another lifetime between me and this the person who was Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were Native American. And it must have been a time before there were mirrors, mm-hmm. because I don't remember anything about my own face I can right. see, I could picture myself from the shoulders down, like my arms, oh. but I could very mm-hmm. clearly describe him. Right. Um, and from what I remembered of his appearance, the jewelry he was wearing, and his hairstyle, mm-hmm. I figured out that we were actually Crow. We were from the Crow tribe. Wow. Um, but he, in that lifetime, the memories i didn't have as many memories from then yeah but i remembered him getting shot in the chest with an arrow and bleeding out and dying in my arms oh. um, so yeah literally we both held each other as we died as died so and you've I mean, been
0: with blackburn more than once he's been your partner in life yeah lifetime um, wow
2: and yeah, so the, the connection there is very deep. And he actually, weirdly, has he actually has um, a mole on his chest in the spot where he had been hit by the arrow. Really, which is weird. Um,
1: like like birthmarks,
2: right?
1: Like yeah. Wow. Um, I've actually yeah. I've actually heard about that. Birthmarks are like where you died in your past life.
2: Really? yeah
1: yeah oh cool. so if you have a big um, mark somewhere it's probably that's how you died in your past life so if you have something in your chest or in your back or in your head that just signifies that that's probably how you died oh that's
0: interesting
2: and they say that. too that the eye like i don't know if this is always true but they say that the eye your eyes stay the same um, like, that's kind of how you can recognize a soul connection. And I know, at least for us, that is true. Our eyes yeah. have stayed the same color every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's... Wow. I think the, the thing I wish people understood about past lives is it sounds really, really interesting. And, oh, I'm curious. Like, I want to look into that. Who could I have been kind of thing. And um, I always like to put a little warning label on that just Mm -hmm. because you don't know what trauma that you've experienced back then. For me personally, my trauma was severe in both lifetimes. Like, um, it's not, Oh, I got to, it's not like watching a movie. It's like, it's like you're in it and it's happening to you. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, like my native American, woman was savagely raped and murdered Ooh. Ooh. Um, like I remember the faces of the three men laughing at me as they murdered me wow. um I remember holding the person I love while they bleed and not being able to help them mm-hmm. um I remember holding my infant three-month-old child as she died of illness and I couldn't save her Right. Um, I would have kind of after, while all this was kind of unfolding, like I would sometimes have like, I mean, I'm not diagnosed, but I would describe it like similar to like PTSD attacks mm-hmm. where I would like see flashes of like John's face dead in his casket at his funeral over and over again.
0: Right.
2: Like it's something that needed to come out it's something that i needed to explore and i needed to know right but it's it's not something to take lightly is what i would say absolutely um that it's coming up to be healed and transformed and looked at it's not like a oh this is fun
0: (laughs) yeah well Um, did you have any previous trauma that were kind of explained after you started having these regressions and these visions?
2: Well, I'll say something that was interesting was, I actually don't have any type of severe loss in my own personal life right now. Mm -hmm. As far as, no, I, I haven't really lost anybody who's very close to me. But I always had, I always felt like, people were going to die before I told them how I felt about them. Mm. Um, Like I, especially with like relationships, I always felt like I needed to tell them how I felt right now, or like in a way that was kind of panicked, like they could die and not know how much I love them. And I see now that that definitely comes from, you know, my life in the civil war.
0: Right.
2: And something I never really understood why like there's a panic behind it it's like I need to tell you this so that I know you know it no matter what happens um and there was no basis for it in my in my life
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um there was no reason for me to feel that way and and I think certain things too with yeah I mean I guess every woman in general has experienced some type of unwanted attention in if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, but there was a fear, there's a fear response that has come up that's very visceral for me, mm-hmm. um, around men at times, Yeah. especially if I'm in a situation where I feel threatened by a man mm-hmm. or, uh, there's, like, an uncomfortable imbalance of power, Mm. Um, and I now understand. I mean, I won't describe what happened to me because it was, it's really horrific. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's interesting processing all of this because I have, from all the research I've done, you know, because I'm Nancy Drew, so I'm like, I need to figure (laughs) out why this is happening and what it means. Yeah. I haven't yet found a case that is similar to mine in that I have very specific details. Mm -hmm. Like, I can remember word-for-word conversations that happened between me and Blackburn Hughes 150 years ago. Wow.
0: Wow.
2: Like, I remember what he said to me. I remember what it felt like to be pregnant with our first daughter. Like, Mm. Like, I've had... Memories of things that it it feels like it happened to me within this life. Like, that's how vivid the memories are. Mm -hmm. Whereas for most people, it seems like they get flashes or scenes, but they don't have the whole picture. Yeah. Uh I mean, like, like, like what you've described is like, there's certain moments or certain scenes of that experience, that lifetime that you have. But it's not like you know the entire through line of your life and know like I feel like my children are dead mm-hmm. I feel like the person I married is not with me right now mm-hmm. like it, it's a very weird it's a hard thing to explain to people like it doesn't feel like John died 150 years ago right
0: because it feels more present to you
2: Yeah. It's not like a memory that is fuzzy. It's crystal clear.
0: Oh. Yeah. Wow. Have you found Blackburn in this lifetime yet? Yes. You have? Do you have like contact with him or are you did your relationship change in this lifetime?
2: Right now, no. We're not in contact with each other. I see. This was all unfolding in a very difficult time in both of our lives Mm. and so i that's kind of like a i suspect that storyline isn't finished Mm -hmm. but as of now there's really nothing more for me to do about it if that
0: makes sense yeah
2: And one thing that I think soul connections in general are here to teach us is how to love really radically, really unconditionally, soul connections of the depth that we have. It's meant to defy what the world calls love that really isn't, if that makes sense.
0: Can you give an example?
2: So what I've learned about a lot of soul connections is that they tend to incarnate into difficult circumstances. Mm, mm -hmm. So one example would be one person is from one country and another is from a different country or race. Mm -hmm. And there's tension or issue because of that. Mm. Um, A lot of times soul connections would have, will have very large age gaps Mm -hmm. and it's the idea of like, Others from the outside, or or religious differences, or things like that, Mm -hmm. where people from the outside would look at it and say, there's no way this will ever work, Right, and it's part of your coming together to show the world that love can be all things, right? In my case, at this moment, it's like, I can love someone very, very deeply, and love them enough to say, I won't control your choices. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes loving someone really is letting them be where they're at, whether it involves you or not, Um, which has been really heartbreaking for me and difficult. Mm -hmm. But I think the challenge is sometimes to love, love the way you would want to be loved. Right. And it's kind of like if you want the most epic love that's ever existed, which I always have, Mm -hmm. careful what you wish for, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) For real.
2: (laughs) Um, Then you have to be kind of willing to do the things that are scary and go through these periods of unknown and questioning. And I can sense that I've grown a lot from this, but it's also like really been the most difficult thing that's ever happened to me.
0: Of course.
2: Especially since you're
0: remembering all of this, too. Like, all of these things that happened to you in previous lives, like, that's, that must be overwhelming.
2: (laughs) When you remember dying in someone's arms and then looking at you and just saying, I'm here. Yeah. You, why would you want to, of course you want to be with that person. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't have all the answers or have the whole picture of everything. So it's, it's been a very, it's been a wild ride for sure. Um, And I do recognize how my experiences from my past lives in my work, in my work as an intuitive, when I do card readings, I tend to have a lot of people come in who are working through really deep grief And if you've ever experienced deep loss, you know that people who haven't experienced it have no idea what to say or do.
3: Yeah,
2: And they typically want you to be happy when you can't be. (laughs) And I think I've gotten really good at that is like letting people be exactly where they are and not trying to force them to feel differently than what they feel because i know that's what i've needed yeah yeah which maybe it's a bit of a tangent
0: <laughs> no no not but, at all. but yeah. it makes sense i know that you wrote a book actually about your experience with your la- past lives right
2: i did um it's called the love of my lifetimes uh, an autobiography on past lives and twin flames uh, and you can find that on, it's on Amazon. You can order it through there or through my website. So yeah, I basically published my diary of everything that's happened to me in the last few years in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to know more details about my experience and how it felt for me on my end, it's there. But I, my friend... Alyssa also did sketches of some of my memories so you can see a little bit what what my loved ones from the past looked like and things like that which is cool
1: um yeah we're gonna post uh the link to your book on our Instagram for sure
2: yeah so that
0: everybody who's interested in buying it and learning more about Amanda's experiences with the past lives can check out the book
1: and also send us your your website we'll post that as well
2: Oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah, and I do I do uh, readings for people through my website. So, um, if you're interested in in having a card reading, like, I'm I'm totally game.
0: Absolutely. So you do the tarot card readings, right? Do you do mm-hmm. any other type of? Um... Um, reading, I really don't know much about um, psychics, not gonna lie. So oh, you're I know good. that, like, mostly I've heard of like tarot card readings, but I don't know if there's any other type of modalities that maybe you do as well.
2: Um, so everyone kind of defines how they use the cards differently. So mm-hmm. I like to kind of be clear about what my readings are. Um, some people use the cards as a predictive tool. Mm -hmm. I personally don't focus on that. For me, the cards are a tool to help us. You know how a lot of times we sort of feel stuck in life, or we feel like we are, are, I call it the three inches from our face. We're living three inches from our face. Like if you hold your hand three inches from your face, it's kind of blurry and everything around it's kind of blurry and you, it feels very confused. Mm -hmm. Um, the cards help us zoom out on our life and look at it a little more objectively. So, it helps us see possibilities, maybe where we feel stuck. Right. Uh, for me, it helps people creatively work through problems. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the future's fixed. Meaning, mm. I could predict a bunch of random details that may or may not come to be. Because most of our life is ours to create. Mm-hmm. Um, it's And I call it a co-creation, right? Mm-hmm. We're co-creating our experience with spirit and mm-hmm. with the other people around us because they all have free will too.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I can make a choice all day, but if the other person involved is making the opposite choice, we're going to have an issue. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's this idea. I think the cards can help us see what our possible choices are Mm -hmm. and what might be best for us in that moment so we can get clarity on how the past influences where we're at right now Mm -hmm. we can even see maybe a projected outcome or projected future if we continue along this track Mm. but I like to keep it really focused on what are my choices and options right here and now and what's the advice there? Because that's where our power is, right? Mm. Um, I think it's pretty disempowering to go into a reading and have someone tell you this, this, and this are going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, Like, what's the point of that? Um,
0: right. <laughs> you know what? Like, yeah. that actually makes sense, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I have been I've – ha- I've had a reading before about – I think it was in 2010, and um, – The issue that I had with it was like, well, now I'm just going to have that in mind and I'm going to try to do the opposite because I'm going to want this person to not be right. Because like, what's the point of having free will if like, whenever somebody tells you what your future is going to be like, that's going to be it. So like, what's the point? Are you a
2: Scorpio? I am. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know? (laughs) I was like, she she's just gonna do the opposite to prove that person wrong
0: that sounds like that is so funny but yeah like that pissed me off because i was like okay but like don't i have any saying in this like don't i create my own destiny
2: like and the answer is yes from my vantage point um every every reader um every reader reads differently um, some people are much more specialized in prediction. Mm-hmm. That's just not my focus mm-hmm. with how I read. And I think for most people, it's not helpful anyway. Most people, if you don't tell them what they want to hear, they're going to ignore you anyway. So yeah. I'm much more about like what, where are you not seeing something that it would be helpful for you to see
0: oh, so that you could
2: make your best choice?
0: Yeah. I think I I think that I should have gone to you for a reading instead of that lady that I went to because I was just kind of like, well, I don't like that. Like, so does that mean I'm going to stay with this? (laughs) I'll
2: be honest. I've had plenty of bump readings in my day. Like, I've had plenty of people tell me stuff that I'm like, no. (laughs) Um, and then you do what you feel is best anyway, right? No reader's reading should supersede your own choices for your life.
0: Right. And that's how I felt like too. I was like, well, I mean, if everything is going to be this way, like I should just, you know, not do anything because eventually it's going to end up that way. So what's the point of making a choice? Where are my choices? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think there's very little in our lives that's been so predetermined that it's inevitable, Mm -hmm. like there might be major points. There might be two or three main things that we are meant to do. It's going to happen come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. But pretty much every other decision in between, which when you think about how many choices you make just in the course of one single day, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. There are a lot of possibilities. And the tiniest shifts can really shift us In big ways as well. It's kind of like, like, have you ever seen that, um, heard that analogy about like an angle? Like, if you shift the size of an angle at close to the point, it looks like the shift is very small. Mm -hmm. But further out along that ray, Mm -hmm. it starts to get bigger and bigger. The shift gets bigger and bigger. So the tiny choices that we make actually matter a lot and i feel like the the cards help us make those small everyday changes that we can make to start to create the bigger picture that we want
0: Oh, Um, that's very nice yeah
2: that was my lofty explanation of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i have a question for you because on the title of your book it says past lives and twin flames what exactly are twin flames
2: Yeah. Okay. And there's like a whole chapter that's like a disclaimer in the book because I try to sort of avoid the term twin flames because a lot of people really misconstrue it. Mm -hmm. My version of what that means, a twin flame is just a particular kind of soul connection. Mm -hmm. It is somebody who is your, the idea is that that person is your exact same frequency
0: hmm okay
2: and that doesn't so others there are plenty of other types of soul connections as well and they can even be romantic ones like and your twin flame doesn't necessarily have to end up being the person you're with or anything like that like there's all this people get crazy and they take a concept and then they decide oh my gosh i need to be with my twin flame and if i'm not with my twin flame i don't want to be with anybody Mm. and that's not it in my opinion.
0: That's what happened before with soulmates too, right? Then everyone was like, yeah, finding my soulmate yeah. and all that stuff.
2: And by my definition, a twin flame is a type of soulmate. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, soulmates is a broad term for anybody who's in your soul family. So like your mm-hmm. best friend is a soulmate. Your family that you've chosen to incarnate with is a soulmate their soulmate in a sense like any romantic connection you have is a soulmate in a sense like a twin flame is just a very specific type of connection mm-hmm. and what it is is that the energy between you they call it like it's like a mirror basically so that person's going to reflect to you they're 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 going to see you very very clearly and sometimes that's very triggering and sometimes it's very affirming if that mm, makes sense. yeah. so they're gonna be the person you can't hide anything from. Mm. Um, and it also it's basically two I try to sorry, I try to talk spiritual talk for real people and sometimes it sounds like as a thing and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds insane. but um here we are on the unexplained podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, twin flames are essentially two. Two souls that are in two different bodies, but they are of the same frequency. So they came from the same over soul, essentially one soul split into two bodies.
3: Mm.
2: Now, those two bodies, though, are going to have their own lived experiences. They're going to go through life. And so they're not the same person or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just that your frequency, your energy is the same.
3: Mm, what that also
2: means is when somebody's out of balance you tend to trigger each other really hard Mm. um I hope I'm making sense
0: no you are you are okay
2: it's it's a pretty complicated kind of experience Mm -hmm. and it's something that when you experience it you know it and it hits Mm -hmm. you like a bus um yeah but yeah it's like at your best you and your twin are going to be very closely connected you're going to really understand each other very well and it's kind of like there tends to be one twin that's more in the masculine energy and one twin that's more in the feminine energy
3: hmm. now that
2: has nothing to do with gender um mm-hmm. like it does there can be two same sex people who are twin flames mm-hmm. um it's just that one of you tends to be much more in that action-oriented, grounded, I call it the sprint energy is mm. the masculine. And then the, the feminine would be the receptive connection to spirit um, would be the person who is, um, I call it endurance energy. Mm. So we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. Yeah, but we tend to express as more one or the other, depending on what situation we're in, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so like,
2: in my career, I might be very masculine, I might take a lot of action, be very organized, be very practical, logical, get things done. But then in my home life, I might be very feminine, a good listener, a nurturer, somebody who's there for everybody else, like that kind of thing. And with twins, it's just that that energy is very amplified because you're essentially – you are each other's masculine and feminine energy. So it tends to be that twins have a lot of psychic connection. Mm. And for me, like, I know what's going on with him whether I want to or not. I will have visions or I will literally, like, be in a bad mood for no reason and know it's not
3: mine. Mm.
2: Um, I have tasted – taste and smelled smells that are not in my immediate environment and literally can confirm with people who have been in the room with me. Like the the most specific was that I smelled fire in my parents' home. And I was, oh my gosh, guys, do you smell that? Is something on fire? And nobody else smelled it. Mm -hmm. And the next day I got a message from him saying that where he was at, there were all these wildfires. Oh, wow. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you're very in tune with those people.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that, like, it's not just me that's had this experience between Mm -hmm. us either. Like, we've had where, and he's like, he's admitted to feeling my energy at times Mm -hmm. too. And one time I had my period but I didn't feel any of my period symptoms, mm-hmm. which never happened. Lucky. <laughs> and that day, I I was chatting with him in a message, and he told me that he was, he was like, I'm doing okay today, but my, my back and my hips really hurt. Like,
0: they're sore. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> so, basically, like he felt my period symptoms.
0: And not you, that's amazing. (laughs) I wish. So,
2: yeah, like stuff like that has happened or like I'll know, like I'll wake up, I woke up one time feeling really weird and not knowing why and then I hear from him later that he was a little hungover that morning, like stuff like that. So, It's just kind of you're in each other's energy because essentially you are the same energy. Oh, wow.
1: That's really interesting. Um, Yeah.
2: It's really weird.
0: I bet. Um, Yeah.
2: And if I didn't, if I hadn't experienced it, I would think it's crazy. But I also know that there are other people I know who have experienced Mm. similar things. So it's not like just me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I like to be careful, and I always say this, like, when you go down the rabbit hole, the internet rabbit hole about Twin Flames, you're going to read some wild stuff. (laughs) And it's kind of like, just be discerning about whether or not that information sounds like logical or insane, you know, like, because actually a lot of spirituality is very logical it's weird how science is actually starting to prove a lot of things that the spiritual traditions already knew.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and not to go on a total tangent on that, but like one specific example is that, and this relates to pathwise lives and ancestral healing, um, that we do in spiritual practice. They're starting to find that we actually hold in our DNA in our ourselves up to seven generations, maybe even more, Mm -hmm. of trauma from our ancestral line.
0: Wow. Seven generations? Hmm? Seven?
2: Yeah. Wow. Seven generations. So if you do the math, that's like hundreds of people's trauma that you have in your body. Mm -hmm. So no wonder our generation is deciding we all need therapy, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least now we're more open with it. Maybe it's because... Where at that time yeah, it took seven I generations. Think <laughs> seven generations for us to get there.
2: I think we're like reaching the tipping point. Yeah. And what's cool though is science is starting to show, yeah, so so let's say your ancestor experienced war, mm-hmm. that trauma is in their DNA, they've now passed down their line. But well, what they're finding too is that when somebody heals that, that trauma,
3: mm-hmm.
2: the cells also change. So you can literally heal ancestral trauma that's in your stored in your body so that your children don't have to experience and hold that.
0: Yeah, I've actually heard about that before too.
2: Yeah, Um, so it's just cool that this was always, the spiritual community always kind of talked about and knew about it, mm -hmm. but it's now they're actually starting to do research and they're finding it scientifically as well, which is cool.
0: Yeah, I remember there was also like, if I'm not mistaken, a study that proved that souls were actually real and there was a change in the body once someone died compared when they were alive and everything. So, like you said, oh my gosh. the science community has been kind of um, what do you say, like catching up into the spiritual world as well.
2: Yeah, and I get it
0: because
2: a lot of what I experienced yeah. a lot of it I mean, I'm actually lucky that a lot of my memories I could prove
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But at least I could prove to myself that there's no way I could have known certain details. Like I didn't just make up this story.
0: Right, um, of course. Yeah. Especially since you have but, confirmation afterwards as you were digging more into it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but I mean, like other stuff that happens, like I, I honestly can't explain why I know certain intuitive information when I read the cards. I will get I mean you can read tarot cards you can learn to read the meanings of them without having any type of intuitive intuitive ability Mm um but I use my intuitive gifts with the cards as a tool so I get other information in addition to just what the traditional meaning is that's cool so it's it's very cool I don't know how I know certain things. I actually took a certification in tarot to prove to myself that I was not gifted and couldn't do it.
0: And once again, Um, you were proven wrong.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And in the course of that, I had to read for strangers and every single one of them told me that readings were accurate.
0: Yeah, wow. and it's actually true because I was one of those test subjects <laughs> at that time too.
2: I always forget that. Yeah, oh
0: no, but it was so amazing because I actually read what you told me to Gonzalo not too long ago because this was what in March of last year, I think? That it would've you would've
2: been probably May twenty nineteen.
0: Okay so April then April
2: or May yeah Maybe March. Maybe March so
0: then I remember that um you were asking for people who would volunteer to like get like a small reading and I remember that what you told me it actually resonated with me so much and that's what I liked about your reading that it wasn't like you telling me what my future was gonna be like it was more of like the stuff that I knew but I needed to hear it as a conference it's kind of like what you say you kind of already know it but then the confirmation exactly. of it from the outside source kind of okay yeah like i was right i wasn't just kind of like making this up in my head type of thing
2: exactly yeah yes. so and i think that our reading at its best is doing that it's when you're listening to my reading you are using your intuitive abilities to decide if it resonates for you or not and that's your soul your spirit telling you what of that advice is what you need to go forward.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you another question. Because I asked you this before, but I also want our listeners to hear your answer because I really liked your answer. Why do you think you came back this lifetime?
2: Uh, yeah. I, I have a few theories on that. I think I hope that I came back this lifetime to have, many 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 years with the person that i love and to have a family together and to not re-experience the trauma that we had before Mm -hmm. um i also think that i came back in part to i mean i think we all know we're in a time right now where everyone's using a lot of america's history from very different angles to prove lots of different points Mm-hmm. and I think, actually, I'm probably not the only person, particularly from the Civil War era, to come back at this time. Yeah. Because people have really misconstrued that history and really used it for the wrong reasons and to say the wrong things. Um, and this is something that John and I actually converse about sometimes, is, you know, John has been used as a symbol of, like, the lost cause narrative, right? Like, oh, the, the poor, you know, confederate boys. And his whole thing is really to say, like, yes, you should look at my face and look at the life I didn't get to have because of this violence. And it's not to say that we were on the right side of that. It's to say, is this not devastating enough yet for you all to make a different choice? Mm. And having personally lived through the trauma of war and to hear the way some people speak to each other right now. Yeah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about when you say, when you talk so flippantly about civil war. You don't know what that loss feels like to experience. And I think in part, this is part of the problem with humans is we, we do forget mm-hmm. what that pain was, and therefore we do it again. Hmm. Whereas I wonder sometimes if people could remember the same. You know, if people I with the memories I have, I the the thought of that type of violence being something anybody wants to do is unfathomable to me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so I do think that some of us. I feel that's part of my mission is to be a part of telling history, maybe from a more human standpoint. Mm. Um, and I said earlier, you know, like Sally's story is just wrong in every single place it's printed. It's wrong. And Mm. believe me, I've read every book where her name is mentioned it's wrong. Um, And you think, if that one little detail about this woman, because who cares, because it was just a woman, and after John died, who cared what happened to her after that? Mm -hmm. Well, if that was wrong, how much else that we've based a lot of hate and vitriol on is wrong? Yeah. You know, and we can get into a whole debate that I'm not going to get into, but (laughs) I mean, even with all this stuff going on about these statues, that people are getting mm-hmm. so upset about monuments. Yeah. But they don't remember those people that the monuments are of and what that person would even have wanted. And just in case anybody's a geek like me, like um, I actually did the research and a particularly this the statue of General Lee that's in Richmond. There's been all this uproar in Richmond about Monument Avenue. Understandably so. hmm and the truth is that Robert E. Lee, actually, he's documented, he wrote it down. He's documented saying that he never wanted any Confederate monuments made. Oh, wow. General Lee, okay?
3: Himself. And what's
2: very interesting mm. is when you do the research, the year after he died was the year that that statue went up in Richmond. Hmm.
0: Wow, so it was against his will. until he well. was gone. Yeah, it was against what he even wanted.
2: Wow. Yeah. Right. So when people use history, it's our history. People, did you even really look into that history? Mm. And I mean, that's a primary source. That is from the mouth of General Lee himself saying
1: he didn't want it,
2: and he said it's because he knew it would only cause division, which is exactly what those statues have been used for.
3: Yeah, yeah. So he called it's it. really,
2: <laughs> and unfortunately, I think a lot of the faces that have become. The faces of these things are not the people who are really the problem in a lot of ways. You know, like, Lee is a symbol of something now. Mm -hmm. It's not even about who he was as a man. And, I mean, for me, it it is complicated. Like, I'm vehemently against slavery and against people mistreating people because of the color of their skin. Mm Mm-hmm. But I vividly remember being um, the daughter of a plantation owner. Mm. I benefited from people's slave labor at some point when I was alive. Yeah. And that's very humbling, right?
0: Of course.
2: Is that something that, you know, it's complicated, I think. It's just what you realize when you remember that you were there. Yeah. Because, my God, Sally was, she was completely traumatized by the war. Like, she really never got over it. I I remember walking down the stairs in our house. I have this memory. I was so depressed that I was sick. So I couldn't go out and work in the fields that day. And I remember walking down the stairs in our house and it just being empty and just thinking about all the people who used to, dance in our house, who mm-hmm. all had been killed. And I mean, it was probably, I mean, some of the numbers in certain counties were like 80% of the men who went off to war didn't come back. We can't even imagine that. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's not the side of the story we hear. Hmm. We hear some weird, glorified, romanticized version that isn't true. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. It did. I know I went on a little bit of a. No, tangent no, no. There, but... like,
0: it completely makes sense, though, because with all the turbulence and all the stuff that's going on right now, I mean, especially in this year and how we've been building up to all of these situations that have been heartbreaking we see a lot of suffering a lot of wars a lot of division a lot of pain so it makes sense that maybe that's why your awakening has been now to kind of like come up to this point you know like and it's very it your story is actually amazing like i don't i don't know what I would do if i would remember all of my past lives and details like yeah. that like I would be very overwhelmed <laughs> um
2: it, it has been very overwhelming um, i
0: bet yeah but
2: yeah because you have to live the life that you're living now too
0: yeah so. and it's kind of like you're trying to live your life now but then there's still some sort of influence from the past so yes. yeah like it's it's amazing thank
2: you I mean I've been very lucky as well I have to say my my friends and family have been very supportive of what's been happening to me and I mean I I am transparent and honest sometimes to a fault so there was never for me there was never a question like I was never gonna pretend this isn't what's happening yeah uh whether it made people uncomfortable or not mm-hmm. um And I've been really lucky to have, especially my friendships, that have really rallied around me and said like, you're having PTSD from the Civil War? Mm -hmm. We accept that, we understand, how can we help? Yeah. Which is really awesome.
0: Of course. Now you have like that support and you're, in this new life, would you say that a lot of the past wounds that you've been having now in this lifetime you've been kind of working towards a healing in this lifetime
2: yeah i mean i would i i hope that that is what's happening because if i'm not working towards healing then i'm just being re-traumatized for no reason
0: (laughs) i hope not because you've already been through enough (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah so we're just i'm like deciding that even if i maybe can't see I can't see what the other side of this journey looks like just mm-hmm. yet. I do trust that there's a positive reason for it, that there's something good that is happening because of it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. of course. But, well, we are coming at the end of our time, but we want to thank you so much because you have had such an incredible story. Thank um, you.
2: Thank uh, you for having me.
1: It's of course. amazing
0: it it has been really yeah. good. I like I told you like we had so many questions just because also because of your gift with intuition and psychic abilities. Like I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many questions that I have. Like where do I even start?" <laughs> so I hope I didn't overwhelm you with all of this stuff. <laughs> no, I I appreciate you taking an
2: interest in my story and my life and you know, part of the healing process for me is that my loved ones aren't gone they're not dead if you know i get to tell their story so right thank you for thank you for letting me talk about them
1: and, Of course. and the best part is that we've recorded this and this will be out and if you were ever back in a in the future in another life you can always go back and listen to this <laughs> podcast and catch oh up gosh. that's true so i hope it helps in any way
0: yeah, yeah.
2: my gosh that would be
1: crazy right
0: can you imagine (laughs) that in a different lifetime you actually hear this podcast and then recognize yourself whoa
2: that'd be so weird that would be that's some like interdimensional stuff that i don't understand i know right like you're
1: sending your future self a message
2: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) bruh i'm like can my future self give me a message like
0: (laughs) just gonna like come back for a bit and like let me know what's up and then I'll, I'll move yeah is there is there
1: is there anything you want to tell your future self like you want to leave a message for your future self in the event that your future self does listen to this oh my goodness you
2: just put me on the spot real hard yeah what um, <laughs> i want to tell my future i mean What what do I have to tell my future self that she doesn't already know? Am I right? Like, I hope that she's wiser and, and further along, I hope, you know? Okay. Like, I guess, hey, I honestly don't even know how to answer that question.
0: I know, because we normally think about what would you tell your younger self, but in this case, if it's in the future...
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you just blew you just blew my mind. I like, know. I just
1: blew my own mind. <laughs> <And> you
0: did <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Oh my god. I you don't even know how awesome.
1: I, I don't even know how I came up with that question.
0: Amanda, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Um I wish you nothing more than healing and lots of blessings. Oh, because you. you have been through so much. And you have such a I, kind and sweet soul. I hope that you find the yeah. happiness in this lifetime that you deserve. Thank you, Carmen.
2: Yeah. And I'm just—I'm really glad that we met and that we're so connected. And right, I'm just wishing you all the best. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, we wish you the best too, Gonzalo.
1: Yeah. We don't want to <laughs> leave you out, you know. <laughs> I wish—I wish everyone the best.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you so much, Amanda, for everything. Um, You're welcome. And I hope that we get to talk to you soon. I'd love that. Perfect. One day we'll probably catch up. Or maybe we'll go to like Casade Casadega Casadaga. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, Casadega. Yes,
0: we can probably visit one day because it sounds like a very interesting place, not even going to lie. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: come say hey.
0: We'll definitely do. For sure. All right. Thank you again, my dear. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.